Hello and welcome to the Smart Witch Podcast and thank you so much for joining me. Um, And in case you can't tell by my current vibe, this is actually a little bit of a more serious episode. And I was corresponding recently with a listener and she kind of mentioned a few um, questions slash just topic ideas that she had. And one of the things that she said she really wanted me to talk about on the podcast, um, which she left kind of vague, was just that she wanted to talk a little bit about negotiating and navigating through feelings of low self-worth. And this is something that I really admire that this person was able to kind of bring this up and introduce that notion in this space. Um, And I really commend, honestly, all of you because the emails that I get from you are so beautifully vulnerable. And I really appreciate that in this community, I feel like we can really go there. Um, I know that you guys know that I'm really vulnerable with you here. I often will talk about very personal things that are going on presently with me sometimes, or, you know, I'll talk to you a lot about my um, family stuff. And that's something that I really appreciate that that really um, effectively is mirrored back at me by um, the most incredible um, people. I was going to say, women, but um, certainly, you know, all individuals that that are in this community and that listen to this podcast, um, I just can't even tell you how much I appreciate connecting with you in the way that we do. And even if you, you know, don't or never have reached out to me, I just want you to know how how much I appreciate you um, even just being here because I do feel you all and I feel very close to all of you. So for some reason, that felt important to say, Um, but it's not really random because talking about feelings of low self-worth is something that's extremely, um, I'm not going to say difficult, but it's serious. And it's something that I think, first of all, I just want to say that it's important to name that this is something that absolutely everybody goes through at different times in their lives. So if you are at a stage in your life right now where you are not feeling especially worthy or your 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 value um, that you're placing on yourself is not where you know you want it to be, I just want you to know that you're not alone, that I know that especially now in this time of sharing and social media, everybody just seems like they're always happy and not just even on social media, Obviously, we all present a particular image to the world, and perhaps rightfully so. We shouldn't be, you know, wearing our baggage and our problems and our sleeves necessarily. That's just poor boundaries. But it really is important to talk openly and candidly with one another, especially during this time where we're in a global pandemic and things are challenging everywhere and in a lot of different ways. It's so important that we can get candid about the fact that if we are struggling, it's okay. And so that's something that I also just really wanted to name before we dive deeply into this topic. Um, So I just want to say that it's normal to periodically experience this from time to time. Um, Now, drawing from personal experience, everyone who knows me, I think it's safe to say, if, you know, I were to ask them, 
how they think I view myself, I come across as an extremely confident woman. And I am a very confident woman. I have a very high opinion of myself. I am truly comfortable with who I am. And those are bold statements, but they really are true statements. I have reached a level of... um, really just respect for myself. I have a very strong sense of self-worth. I would say overall as a rule, I just feel, you know, very good about who I am and I'm really confident in that. And so as a rule, I would say that this is something that I, I don't tend to struggle with more than the average person. If anything, as I said, I think that certainly because of the tools that we're going to spend this episode discussing, um, I've been able to get to this point where I do have this really strong relationship with myself and I do have this really secure sense of self-worth, which can really you know get me through difficult times. And it really is just something that I know I can always return to, which is important in a life that that is essentially uncertain, right? So that being said, I really want to talk to you about the fact that I chose this topic tonight because I'm currently, as we speak, going through just kind of a hard day with my heart, Um, really not for any reason in particular. Um, It's really just, and I've mentioned a couple times um, recently Um, in the podcast that I am in a new relationship. And this is something that I didn't necessarily plan. Um, It's something that just sort of happened. And I had spent, as I've also talked a lot about in the podcast, about a year and a half in a very intentional state of being aggressively and unapologetically single. And that's because like most 20-somethings, I have had some really difficult experiences with my heart, especially in my early 20s, late teens, um, that really, really challenged me. And I know that sounds, you know, kind of superficial, like everyone does go through these challenges, certainly in our early 20s, when we're trying to figure out who we are and what we want. You know, most of us can say that we've dated a couple duds and we can laugh about that. But I particularly had one experience um, within the last couple years. It was actually the last romantic thing I was really involved in. Um that I actually, you know, was pretty invested in. Obviously, I've dated, had flings since then, but um, really that was the last thing that was important to me. It was a year and a half ago, a little more than that actually now. And it was something that really um, hurt me very, very badly. Um, I was in this relationship with this man and it wasn't necessarily serious, but I am a Pisces Venus. So I am a little bit of a love addict. I fall hard and I felt really hard for this particular person. Um, not in the sense that I thought we were going to end up together, but I just really liked them and we were very close. We were spending a lot of time together and I, trusted him, which was not easy because my previous relationship before this one was a total mess, literally just a serial cheater kind of situation, total dud. Um, So I went from that to this relationship, which again, even though I didn't think this was necessarily a, a ideal fit for me, I still really did take kind of a liking to this person and had managed to find a pretty strong sense of security with him, which felt like kind of a milestone. And then the relationship ended in a way that was extremely painful. Um, 
essentially there was someone else, which, you know, is not anybody's fault. And that's important to name too, because I think that especially when we have conversations with our friends about a relationship ending and maybe someone else was involved, um, it can be very gang uppy. Like we all just talk about how shitty that dude is and how we're just too good for him. And, you know, that may be true. Obviously you're not a vibrational match if one party is not interested anymore. Um, because if it's not good for one person, I'm a strong believer that it's not good for, for either party. As we talked about in the six of pentacles episode, I just recorded a few weeks ago, but I do think it's important to have a more nuanced conversation about the realities of, of feelings and the fact that they change and there is no security and no certainty. Someone can genuinely be in love with you today and they can fall out of love with you tomorrow. Relationships are living, breathing things that change and that's not something that is anybody's fault. Um, so that was something that um, was very hard for me to negotiate. And it wasn't just that there was someone else, there was a little bit of bad behavior. Um, again, I don't say that in a blamey way because this person absolutely handled a difficult situation to the best of his ability at the time. So I don't say this at all in a blamey way, but there was definitely mistreatment toward the end that made it just that much more painful. Um, and so this was something that really deeply shook me to my core and sort of propelled me into this year and a half long um, love and, and relationship sabbatical, which I really enjoyed. I absolutely loved being single. Um, of course, I wanted to be, you know, in love. I think, again, as a Pisces Venus, I'm a little bit of a love addict, and I'm truly happiest when I'm in love. I think most of us are. That is just such a wonderful feeling. It's hard to not miss when we don't have it. But I had really become so happy and so comfortable with my life as a badass, independent babe that I really didn't miss being in a relationship. And then. Um, this wonderful man came into my life and we became very good friends and quickly, pretty quickly, I would say thereafter, it became clear that there really was something between us that was not just platonic. And not only that, but this really did feel from the beginning very different to me. This is a man that I absolutely look up to. I completely respect him in a way that I've never respected a, a partner with whom I've been romantically involved. He is, you know, loving. He is kind. I'm literally proud to be with him as his equal. It's just, you know, logically, my brain knows this is a relationship that is so much different than anything I've ever been through in the past or anything I've ever frankly settled for in the past. But at the same time, and this is a piece of advice that I like to give witches who are trying to manifest a relationship or conduct a love spell, because it's really important to note that when we're single, a lot of times we're really trying to manifest a relationship. I wouldn't say that's where I was when I met my partner now, um, but there was certainly, um, I would say, a time that I really wanted one. And the advice that I would have given myself then, now, is that everything comes with its own set of issues. And that's not to say, by the way, that be careful what you wish for because you just might get it because that's very gross and like fear-based and that's not at all what I'm saying. Um, there's no shame in wanting wonderful things and of course you should want everything that you want. But at the same time, it's important that we acknowledge that we don't actually want the thing that we 
that we think we want as much as we want to feel the way we think that thing will make us feel. And falling in love is a wonderful feeling, but especially something like a relationship. Frankly, whether it be business or platonic or romantic or anything else, something like a relationship that is just so beyond our control is not only going to not necessarily keep us feeling one particular way, but it's also going to stretch us. It's going to locate our areas of wounding and blow them up. And this is something I've, I've uh, been telling a lot of my clients and friends who are trying to manifest relationships that it is just so important to remember that on some level, and it could be extremely subconscious if we are, you know, not aware of the fact that we might have little insecurities that we think on some level this relationship might fix, um, they are going to come out. Um, And that's not to say that this won't heal them. It is a process, of course, and it's, you know, a beautiful process in its own right. But it is not just you know, sunshine and rainbows all the time. And I say this from a space of understanding that I am with the most wonderful partner. He literally couldn't be doing anything differently or better to support me and love me and show up for me and make me feel, you know, secure. He really is just wonderful. So this is totally not about him. But I am in a space right now in our, you know, I would say in my individual just personhood and also in our relationship where I'm starting to, well, I wouldn't say I'm starting to because it's been a little while now, but I'm coming to terms with the fact that you know, some of this wounding that I thought I just kind of magically had healed in the time that I was single is still there. And I have this really deep fear of losing this person. And it's kind of like that thing that which is, you know, we're, we warn each other about this, that, you know, if we are so worried about losing something that we've manifested successfully, there's almost no point in manifesting it to begin with because if you're just worried about losing it the whole time, you're not actually enjoying it. And, you know, being present is a really big part of that. But ultimately what I'm learning at this particular phase in my life and through this beautiful relationship, ironically, is that I have a lot of work still to do around self-worth, which is, as I said, funny because people that know me would not guess that. I come off as extremely confident, aggressively confident. And again, I am. That's not an act. That's very authentic and true. But at the same time, there is, um, there are things, there are doubts that I have about my own worthiness that uh, have been magnified, I would say, by being in this relationship. I'm often, you know, I don't want to say all the time, but, and also we just had the full moon, which is never, you know, a way to delegitimize feelings. That's like saying that you're feeling something only because it's your moon cycle. Those things kind of, I think, um, magnify feelings that are already there, but they don't delegitimize them. So I don't mean to delegitimize it or blame it on the full moon, but I am, you know, in an emotional time right now. That being said, I've been finding myself just wondering if I'm enough, doubting that I'm enough, wondering if I deserve this relationship. I've been catching myself just being so afraid that the same thing is going to happen, that this person that I'm so in love with is going to just kind of meet someone else or fall out of love with me. And, you know, of course, that wouldn't be their fault. That's nothing that he can promise me won't happen. And frankly, I don't want to be with someone that doesn't want to be with me. And I also believe that everyone deserves, especially someone I love, 
deserves to have everything they want. And so if that's not me, um, I don't want to be with them either. So while this might sound kind of strange, it is also just that very wounded kind of inner child that's doubtful and that's, you know, ultimately just not sure if I'm worthy of this relationship. And so this is a very long-winded story, but my point is to say that we all go through this and it's okay. Um, I don't want to say it's normal because I don't like the word normal, but I do want to say that it's common. And so it's not something to feel bad about. And I, I think that you know me well enough. If you've been here on the podcast long enough, you know that I'm a very confident woman. I'm a very joyful, radiant person. I'm kind of a badass babe. And so I think that it's good for you to hear me like this, being honest about the fact that sometimes I doubt that. Sometimes I doubt that I'm good enough, that I'm lovable, that I'm likable, that I have enough to give to, you know, be desirable to others. And so that's something that I really want to name for you. And that's the reason why I chose this topic for right now. I wasn't even planning necessarily on recording a podcast tonight, but I was honestly having these feelings. I was kind of in the throes of anxiety. And sometimes, ironically, we create the most incredible work from that space. And I also was thinking about this particular questioner who had written in and mentioned that she would like to hear some tips or just my thoughts on working through low feelings of self-worth or rather feelings of low self-worth. And so I thought this would be the perfect space from which to create that episode because I'm passing through that right now. And that's another thing that's worth mentioning is that these moments where we doubt ourselves or where we feel, you know, like we're not worthy, they're fleeting. They are temporary. And that's something that we have to just kind of keep in mind as well. Now let's get into kind of my my advice though, which is tricky because obviously if I had kind of just the answer and a surefire way to guarantee that you would never doubt your own, you know, self-worth ever again, I would be a millionaire and I don't have the secret. And it's difficult to just sort of, you know, come off as as though you do have any answers at all with such a big question and something that so many people so seriously struggle with. But I do want to talk about some tips that I have used over the years that have really built my confidence and have really increased my sense of self-worth and that really do continue to. And even though, as I said, tonight has been a hard night for my heart. It's been a night where I'm feeling not great about myself and I've turned to my tools. I've been using my tools tonight and I, I really do feel better. And so, um, let's talk about those tools. And that's really what this is going to be. As I said, there's no one answer, but I am going to talk to you about some of the tools that as witches we have at our disposal that we can actively use when we're in a period of time where we are, we are not feeling a great sturdy sense of of self-worth because, you know, it does happen. So the first tool that I want to talk about is the tarot. So I obviously am so passionate about the tarot. I think that you probably know that. We talk tarot all the time here on the podcast, but we don't often talk about how to use the tarot when you're in the throes of anxiety. And I actually have talked before in this podcast about the fact that we need to be a little bit careful about working with the tarot when we're feeling anxious because 
sometimes that can actually trigger us a little bit. In the same way that Googling your symptoms can trigger you, so too can pulling cards when you're in a space of extreme anxiety just end up triggering you. And it's not even necessarily because you pull bad cards. And also, P.S., there is no such thing as a bad card. But certainly some of the images, depending on the deck you're using, um, can be triggering especially if we're not in a calm, centered headspace when we're pulling the cards. So it's worth noting that you do have to be careful with this. Um, and it's also worth noting, hopefully this is obvious, but the tarot is never a substitution for actual therapy, counseling, or professional help. But at the same time, even if you don't believe in the more mystical side of tarot as a tool, which if you're here, you probably do, but even if you don't, tarot is a really powerful psychological healing tool. And what I like to do when I'm experiencing anxiety or, you know, tonight, as I said, I was having a moment of very low self-worth, I pulled cards. And my advice of, on doing that is if you're really kind of in a space where you're not thinking clearly, like tonight, I really didn't ask a particular question. I really didn't frame it. I just kind of knew and trusted that the cards that I was going to pull were going to be clear and were going to be helpful. And they were really going to make me feel like I was really going to understand what they were trying to tell me. And so um, I don't think that you need to pull cards necessarily in that kind of a situation. Although if you do want to frame it, especially if you're a beginner, that might be a little easier. Then you can just say, what am I feeling and how? And then you can you know, wait to see what you pull. And by the way, I think it's also important when you're experiencing a lot of anxiety, and I've talked about this too before, keep it simple. One or two cards per question is fine. Don't do a Celtic cross every time, especially if you're feeling upset and triggered because that's just, that's too much. That's too much information to sift through. So keep it simple for yourself. So it's a, a good idea, in my opinion, to ask the tarot, what am I passing through? What am I experiencing now? Because that's very grounding and anchoring. And even if you see a card that's triggering, like Three of Swords, at least you feel seen, at least you feel validated, and at least you can assess sort of from a distance where in the story of the tarot, as you know, the hero of your own hero's journey, where in the story of the tarot are you falling right now in this narrative? And that alone is therapeutic because it reminds you that what you're feeling is temporary and that it's part of the larger story, the larger arc of your life. This is just a moment. And so that in and of itself is healing. But also when we look at the card, we can assess what we're going through from a, from a space of slight detachment. And then once you get clarity on your, your, what you're actively feeling, because sometimes we don't know, then you can pull your card for how to move out of it with grace. And sometimes we do just need to feel it, right? And I've talked about that too. The tarot is never a ticket out of a, a feeling. And that's not how we should use it. That's an abuse of the tool, not the proper use of the tool. But that being said, of course, we want to heal ourselves. We want to be able to move forward, especially if we're in a fit of anxiety or fear or low worthiness because as we say, and I think this is a little fear mongery, but I think it's true to an extent that when we're really afraid, we are manifesting from that space. Our fear is powerful. And I know for me, for example, as I'm sitting here thinking, you know, having these doubts about myself, do I deserve this partner? Am I worthy? Am I even lovable? I haven't been to other people in the past, so maybe I'm not lovable to him either. 
and just all these really kind of, frankly, desperate, you know, thoughts that I'm having that are, I know, not the most authentic or high vibe me, it really was helpful to, you know, pull a card on how to move past that because I don't want to manifest outcomes from that space, right? I don't want to bring this gross energy of desperation and abandonment into this new relationship because as much as my man is loving and supportive, it's human nature to not find that attractive, right? Like it's not the job of my partner or yours to prop me up emotionally. And that's also something that I don't think we name enough, especially as, you know, high vibe babes. I think we can, in the magical community, have these hard nuanced relationship conversations. I want to have them here and I hope that you feel like we can have them, but it's not the role of our partner to make us feel secure in ourselves. That's absolutely not an energy that should ever, in my opinion, be brought into our relationship. And I'm also a believer that although, of course, you want your partner to know where you are emotionally and you want that intimacy, your partner should never be your therapist. That's not an energy that I think is healthy. And I think there's a fine line between you know, intimacy and communication and venting to your partner in a way that is pushing them away and oversharing the intimate details of your anxieties in a way that actually kind of feeds them and also makes your partner feel responsible for making you feel okay, which as I said, is a very toxic energy and it's certainly not sexy. It makes our partner feel bad and it makes us feel bad. So you know, the tarot really can be a loving companion in these moments where we really don't want to manifest from that space. And again, something like a relationship, I obviously don't want to manifest any sort of relational outcome from a space of feeling like I'm not worthy. Because if I don't believe that I'm worthy, then the universe is going to reflect that back at me. And again, we have to be really careful with this because I really don't believe that if you're fundamentally a high vibe babe like you and I are, and you have the healthy common moment of doubt, like we literally all do at times, you're going to ruin your life. Like, I don't think that that's the case. But at the same time, that is certainly if just the feeling bad part isn't motivation enough, the possibility that we could be manifesting from that space of fear and and low self-worth should certainly be motivation to want to move us out of that state. So that is a reality. And that is a question that you can bring to the tarot. How can you move forward and sort of pass through this, this particular experience when, when it's time? And so you do have options. You can frame your question. You can break it down that way. Or as I said, for me, I kind of had both of those in the back of my mind, but I really just left it pretty, pretty blank. I really just kind of wanted to see what came up and I felt pretty confident that it was just going to be clear. So, um, the cards I pulled, if you're curious, Ace of Cups, which is really beautiful and basically encouraging me to enter into a deeper, experience of intimacy with this partner. So I probably will end up having some level of a conversation with him about what I'm feeling. Um, Again, I think it's important to take responsibility for what we are feeling and not to make it someone else's job. But as someone that is a recovered codependent and someone that's just extremely independent anyway, I don't like to tell other people what I'm feeling. Um, And I think that that's something that most alpha female badass babes experience. They don't like to be vulnerable. It's not comfortable. 
And frankly, it's not really comfortable for anybody, but certainly not for me. And so that's something that I'm struggling with. But I feel like with Ace of Cups, the answer is always to sort of soften into intimacy, whether it's with yourself, whether it's with another person. Obviously, this was a relationship kind of oriented question. So the Ace of Cups is making me feel like I really need to just get in touch with my heart and focus on that, focus on, on doing what I need to do in this moment to nurture and caretake myself. And eventually, obviously not from this space of spiraling and, and fear, because um, that's never an energy, as I said, that you want to bring into a conversation. But at some point, I will check in with him um, and have a conversation from an open-hearted space and make that bid for deeper connection. So then um, the other two cards I pulled, which are really beautiful, are Five of Wands and King of Wands. And I think this is really interesting. So Five of Wands is the energy of kind of too much fire, or it's when our inner fire just starts to burn a little bit too hot. And this whole experience of low self-worth was kind of triggered by something very silly that was said earlier today that I just kind of blew off. Um, and then it kind of added up. Like there was another just small thing that was said. And so I found myself in the five of wands, which is just a very messy, contractive, embarrassing energy. Usually when we're in five of wands, we do want to be left alone because we're not proud of what we're feeling or the way we're behaving. It's not an energy from which we ever want to have a serious conversation. Um, and so that obviously is my embodiment card for right now. And it's also helpful to know that what I'm going through and the, the feelings that I'm experiencing and this fear and this worry that I'm going to lose this person because some other amazing woman that's way more worthy is just going to come along. Those feelings are okay. Like I don't need to be ashamed of them. It's fine. It's literally just my fire burning a little bit too hot. And that's actually something that I, an unpopular opinion of mine, it's actually not unpopular. I don't know why I said that, but we can always take our inner fire and even if it starts to burn a little too hot, we can redirect it and we can calm it, but we never want to absolutely snuff it out. There's a way that we can channel it so that it's sexy and juicy and creative. So for example, you know, jealousy is a really good example or competitiveness is an expression of fiery energy that's a little bit misdirected or a little bit too strong or a really nasty temper. But uh, the positive manifestation of any of those things could be, and it's just really a slight tweak, um, jealousy can easily just turn into lust and desire. And if you are jealous because some woman is checking out your man, that is a good thing. That means you want your man and you know he's sexy and you just, you have that passion for them and that's kind of beautiful. Or if you have a really bad temper, like obviously I hope you're not being abusive to yourself or others, but if you have a little bit of a temper, you know, passion is not far off from that. And really it is my belief that a temper is just passion misdirected. So it's important that when we pull five of wands in any sort of context, we really do acknowledge that what we're going through isn't shameful. It's actually just a really positive quality and a beautiful part of us that's been a little bit too fed. It's becoming a little bit too strong and it's actually starting to feel bad for us and possibly others. And then um, the final card I pulled, because for some reason I was really feeling like three would be perfect, was the king of wands, which obviously anytime we're dealing with king or queen energy, that's like a master level um, expression of that suit's energy. And so with the king of wands, it's all about mastering the inner fire. And so that's actually the invitation of this moment. I'm actually kind of in an, an opportunity to really master 
or reach a, a level of increased mastery because of course it's a it's an ongoing journey of you know with my my own personal inner fire which is actually really sexy and beautiful so I think you can see my point and I think you can hear it in my voice how excited I am as I'm talking about this reading that when we pull cards, when we're in a moment of low self-worth, it really can change the story that we're telling ourselves about what's going on. And so I really can't recommend the tarot enough as a tool to help you build low or build on rather low self-worth to increase that because it is important. And we can use it literally day to day. We can directly apply our card pulls to situations as they come up. And that's really, really powerful. Now, the other tool that I want to mention is, well, actually there's two, but first let's talk about tapping. So I haven't actually talked a lot about tapping on the podcast just because you kind of need to see it. It's really more of a visual thing to discuss, um, but you can definitely look up some videos online if you're interested in learning more about this. Tapping is also known as EFT, which is Emotional Freedom Technique. And just as the name suggests, this is literally a technique that you can use. It essentially combines acupressure and positive psychology to um, create increased self-esteem and to create increased feelings of self-worth. You can literally tap on anything at any time. It's free. And when I say tapping, again, it's hard to describe, but you can look it up on YouTube. Um, my favorite people to tap along with are Brad Yates and Gala Darling. They both have lots of free videos on YouTube. But tapping is literally involves just tapping lightly with your fingers on different acupressure meridian points while you verbally either state affirmations or if you are actually in a low vibrational state when you're tapping, you the idea is that you actually kind of verbally unpack the, the issue or the conflict while you tap. And so basically you're combining, as I said, just positive psychology um, diving into the issue, allowing yourself to get to the heart of it. Sometimes when I tap, things come up that I didn't even realize were part of the problem, which is really fascinating. And um, that's what's beautiful about tapping is as we kind of have this dialogue with ourselves, a lot of times we end up learning so much about how we actually feel about the situation. And um, I like to tap in the mirror. That's kind of a pro tip. I also think it's really beautiful to tap in the mirror while naked because that's just extremely vulnerable when you're actively looking at yourself and when you are completely stripped of any and all kind of masks. It's a really intimate kind of thing to experience with yourself. So I really like to tap while looking in the mirror. And again, this can be difficult. It can be vulnerable. And it's also worth noting that I find that tapping is really best used in conjunction with some of the other tools and techniques that we're talking about today. Specifically, tapping and tarot go fantastically well together. I find that if I'm really in the throes of anxiety or just a fit of low self-worth as I was this evening, the tarot is a really good tool to serve as that kind of initial bridge. So before I use any other tools, I like to start with the tarot just because I really am able to... Um, kind of make the, a little bit of a switch. I'm able to reach more easily for a better feeling thought. I'm ready to consider that this is temporary, that it's just a feeling, that, you know, it's not reality. Fear isn't fact. 
And that's all that's happening. I'm just having an unpleasant emotional experience. And then once we kind of are in that place where we've removed ourselves a little bit from the inner conflict, then it's almost better to tap from that space because sometimes something is a little too fresh for me to tap on it because in my opinion and experience, you really do have to be ready to tap on a subject and you might not be ready to tap on a subject right away. You might just have to sit with it for some time because tapping does usually to always involve unpacking the conflict. And if you're not ready to have an honest conversation about the conflict, if you're not ready to go really deep within and ask yourself what it's about and what's happening, then yeah, you might just not want to do that. Um, because you're not going to be able to, to really move energy that way if you're not ready to really go there. And so I do recommend pulling cards first or, you know, doing whatever else yoga, obviously, whatever else you do to manage stress in your life, whatever your other tools are. Tapping is a really good kind of secondary layer. Um, it is extremely powerful though, as much as you do have to be ready for it. It really is an incredible way to move energy. Literally before coming on here, I pulled cards and then I tapped. It was actually just a generic tapping that I did with Brad Yates. Um, it wasn't specifically on low self-worth or anything like that. It was just basically getting rid of kind of negative energy in general. Or not negative energy, but um, kind of forgiving yourself for whatever it is that's bothering you right now. So it was kind of the perfect tapping for me actually at this time. But it really is important to tap on it if you feel like you have low self-worth because I'm telling you, Low self-worth can mean so many different things. And as I said, this questioner remains somewhat vague about what that looks like for her and how she experiences that. Um, but really, low self-worth is something that I said we do all experience, but it looks so different for each and every one of us. And not only does it look different, but it's different its origin story is is different, right? So rarely do we have low self-worth because of a belief that's original to us. Usually we have feelings of, of low self-worth because of something that someone else has told us, shown us, or otherwise made us believe. And that could be, you know, early parental figures, that could be uh, systems and cultures that could be early authority figures in schools or daycare situations that could be old lovers or partners, as is the case in my situation. So it's, or it could even be someone that bullied you on the school bus. I mean, sometimes, and that's what's cool about tapping, we don't realize the root of, of a present feeling until we really dive deep and, and discover it. And again, I should at this point note that obviously if you're having, you know, a really hard time tapping like any of the modalities we're going to discuss today is not a substitution for legitimate assistance by a licensed professional, a therapist, um, a really good counselor. So obviously seek that help. And even if you don't already understand that tapping because it's a psychological excavation technique, it is moving energy. And ideally, and if a tapping is effective, it will actually extract that from your body. And so you won't have it anymore. But at the same time, it might bring up emotions, um, realizations. And so it's not a bad idea to tell your, if you are already seeing a mental health professional, to let them know that you're also tapping or to, you know, begin some sort of a routine like that while you, while you are tapping as well. 
Um, obviously therapy and tapping go really well together because talk therapy can help you uncover things that you can then tap on. Talk therapy is great for realizing how something begun, um, but tapping is what will actually remove it from your body. So that's really, really important. And honestly, tapping can do both as well. As I just said, a lot of times while we're unpacking something, while we're moving energy through our body, um, we really do have realizations about how it started, who impacted this, where the belief came from. And so if you're telling yourself that you have that you're not worthy or any kind of derivative of that because rarely is it that simple like your brain is your subconscious mind is not usually telling you I'm not worthy although it could be but usually it's a lot of other sneaky little things like I listed a, a few of my limiting beliefs earlier when I said you know I'm always abandoned I'm not lovable it's not possible for me to um, you know, keep a man's attention. They're always going to want something else. They're always going to want something more because I've been cheated on in the past and, you know, felt abandoned by men starting from my childhood with my father. So these are really deeply ingrained limiting beliefs. And that is where tapping comes in. And so really get to the bottom of what is happening with your with your feelings of self-worth uniquely and tap that shit out. And as I said, sometimes that kind of getting to the bottom of it does come organically with the tapping. So I really do recommend tapping. Um, I don't know of any specific tapping routines or scripts that are currently available for free on low self-worth, but I'm sure there are some out there. Obviously, that's a really popular topic. But at the same time, you can also tap make up your own. And that's kind of the most powerful thing to do just because, honestly, it's specific to you if you do it that way. Um, sometimes it's nice to follow along to someone else, especially if you are a little too upset to kind of just freeball it. But um, you can tap along to a video or you can just do your own thing. It just really depends on what feels more um, productive for you. But that's important. So then the final tip that I want to share with you on feelings of low self-worth is obviously crystal healing. Now, crystal healing is something that I'm also extremely passionate about. Um, I am a certified crystal healer through Hibiscus Moon, who a lot of you probably know. And I really do believe that crystals affect our energy field in ways that are palpable to us. So the crystals that I especially like to recommend for low self-worth are um, mangano calcite and rose quartz, or I also really like rhodonite for that, or rhodochrosite. Really, you're looking at heart chakra stones, anything with like a light pink or green color, but those are my four absolute favorites for working through low self-worth, rhodochrosite, rhodonite, rose quartz, and mangano calcite. Um, you can make a mojo bag with all four of these stones. You could just get one. Rose quartz obviously is extremely affordable and easy to come by. Most of those stones are. And you can sleep with it at night. You can carry it with you. I do recommend when you're carrying a crystal for a therapeutic purpose to really leave it close to the skin. Um, I don't think that it's not effective if you have it in a pocket, but I do think that the, the more, the closer to your actual skin it is, the better. So that's something that I really recommend. It's definitely a good idea to have it really close to you. Um, so yeah, that's really important as well. And honestly, I would also add too that those are my generic recommendations, but when you're choosing a crystal to support you for a particular intention, it's always such a good idea to follow your gut, and it also depends on what you have. 
if you already have a, a crystal collection and maybe you don't happen to have any of those stones in there, here's a really effective technique to pick the perfect stone for helping you work through low self-worth. So um, lay your crystals out. If you have some sort of like a, a tray, whether it's a metal tray or like a bamboo tray, um, do use that, but find some way to kind of spread your crystals out so that they're on a flat surface and they're all visible. And then take your non-dominant hand, which for me is my left hand, and gently move it over your crystals. And you might have to do this a couple times, especially if you're not adept at sort of sensing energy. But eventually your hand will either tingle or it will start to get hot. And when that happens, your hand is over the crystal that will be good for you for that for that purpose. So if you're focusing on that, if you sort of set that intention that you know you're looking for the crystal that will help you work through your feelings of low self-worth on this journey, um, you will not be you will be guided to the perfect stone. You will not be led astray there. So, and again, that might take you like five minutes. It might take you a little while until you um, do start to sense anything. Again, as, as I said, if you are a beginner, especially so. But you could also use a pendulum if you do have a pendulum. Um, that would also be a really effective way to locate the stone that for you uniquely will be effective at um, increasing your feelings of self-worth. And that's really important because... Really, when we talk about like crystal healing tools, it's not one size fits all. Obviously, there are some stones that tend to be useful for particular things, but it really is, you know, kind of individual and and stones do interact with all of us uniquely and we all have particular resonances with certain stones. There's some stones that you might even not like to work with where you don't really enjoy the energy. So you really do have to obviously use your own intuition. And it's always a good idea to explore your collection from more of an intuitive perspective. I'm a huge proponent of that as much as the books are fun and the recommendations are fun. Um, it's always also really powerful to just kind of go in and see what's best for you because while those stones might help me for self-worth, there might be a better one for you that you'll be able to be intuitively called to. So definitely give that exercise a shot. So those are my three big tools that I recommend using to work through feelings of low self-worth. And obviously there's so many others. Yoga can be powerful. Aromatherapy can be powerful. Journaling can be powerful. Um, but mostly the, the point of this episode is I really want you to know, as I said, that you're not alone, that this is not something that you should be ashamed of if you're also struggling with these feelings and there is a way out. And especially if like me, you're a magical witchy babe, we have tools. We have so many tools that we can use. That's why we have them, right? They're, they're not just here for fun for when we're having a good day. They're also here to get us through and help us move forward when we're having, you know, a rough time. So please use your tools. They're there for you. And I'm really hoping that um, they're, they're helpful to you, as helpful as they were to me tonight. So again, I just want to say thank you so much for being here, especially for this episode, because I really did get quite vulnerable and talk a lot about feelings that are pretty private, pretty personal. So thank you so much for being a witness to me. I can't even tell you how much I appreciate that I'm able to feel safe to bring the vulnerability here into this space and to get that back from you just means the world to me. So thank you so much, honestly. Um, and before I let you go, I just want to remind you to subscribe to my weekly newsletter if you haven't done that already. 
I send it out every Tuesday morning, usually around 8 o'clock. And basically, I talk about a few astrology highlights of the week. I pull a card for us every week, and we talk about that for a little while. I publish my weekly gratitude list there um, in hopes that it will inspire you to start your own gratitude lists. I honestly do one every single day, but I basically just kind of compile all my gratitude highlights from the week into a large list that I then publish in the newsletter. And then sometimes I'll just muse on other things that are going on in my life. Um, It's not quite as intimate as I would say here in the podcast as we get, but it is a really fun way to just stay in touch throughout the week. I'm really pretty consistent with the newsletter, so... Um, It's a really good way to continue to access my content if you like the podcast. I tend to be a little messy with it, honestly. Um, As much as I would love to be able to just have a new episode for you like a certain number of times a month and on the same day of the week, that's just not how it is for me. My creative process is a little messier than that, so um, that's how it's been. But I really appreciate you being here. Thank you again. And I hope that you have a fantastic rest of your day or night, and I will talk to you again very soon.